Porch Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Gokey, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 255, and welcome back to my front porch. Uh, I think most of you know this, but I actually record this on my front porch. I think probably the first I don't know, 15 or 20 episodes I did in a closet (laughs) at my house. I just had, I created this like closet with like sheets hanging behind it. And, you know, it was all like super soundproof and super perfect. And I had a buddy of mine who, I mean, he's just like one of my closest friends and he always keeps me true. And he's like, dude, it just doesn't feel like you. Yeah, it sounds amazing, but it just doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel real. And I thought, yeah, you know what? He's right. You know, he was going like, it's called front porch confessional. Why wouldn't you record it on your front porch? And and then in the early years, I had all these people giving me feedback because then I went outside and it was like, it was too loud and then the wind would come in. So I got a whole little setup out here that I just set up and tear down each time I do the podcast three days a week. It's kind of awesome. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy having it out here. One, you know, people are walking by. I'm just waving at them. They're like, oh, there's the crazy guy that's out there three days a week recording a podcast, I think. Um, and then, you know, I've got this fire going. And so it's actually created uh, it to me. This space is a very sacred space. And I've talked about that a ton. But I also think it's like a very authentic space, meaning you're hearing all kinds of noises and as garbage trucks go by and neighbors are waving and dogs are going, a lot of times people will walk by. We have this special corner. I mean, literally, it's like the most special corner for all the dogs. All the dogs in the neighborhood come to our corner and they decide to defecate or to pee. And all the neighbors always feel embarrassed. And I'm like, nah, go, let them go for it. You know, that's the spot. That's the spot that they all like. And so, but I kind of love that. I kind of love the authenticity of a front porch, right? You're just out here. And then when you're recording a podcast out here, people have to be thinking, I wonder what it's about, you know? Uh, Maybe I should get a big banner behind me that goes, front porch confessional, you know? But I, I enjoy the authenticity of doing it out here. And I also love the fact that most often, as I'm working through a passage, it is out here that I'm doing it. You know, this space where I kind of slow down and listen and go, man, what what am I really feeling? What's really going on? What's really happening in me? And so this is kind of that space that that happens. And so I really love that, that the fact that, you know, that this is the space where I'm working through it. This is the space that feels a little more authentic and real. And this is the place where I get to record that. I, I really, really do love all that. And I love the fact that so many of you over the years have been listening. You know, I was talking to a buddy today and and him just going, yeah, we listen to the episode and it's always kind of, it always gets me, you know, just a little bit like, really? (laughs) You're listening? Like, I really, really, really appreciate those of you who continue, you know, and and I don't know if you've listened to one episode, if you've listened to all of them, the fact that we're kind of working through this stuff together, it means a lot. You know, Coming out here week in and week out, day in and day out, uh, is a discipline. It's been a good one for me. But the other idea is that there's a bunch of people that doing it with me. I love that. It brings me a lot of joy and encouragement. It just says, keep going, man. Keep doing these things. Uh, and so hopefully it's been good. It's been a part of your rhythm. And uh, it's encouraging and challenging. And that's and challenging you. And, and that's the whole deal. Like, let's be encouraged. Let's challenge one another. Let's open up God's word and go, man. What's going on? What is he trying to say to it? 
So I just want to say thank you. And then for those of you who continue to give, I'm just going to do it every podcast. I'm just going to say thanks because it means a lot. And, and that was one of those things that I learned and I was even more grateful for those of you who give is like, man, I forgot how expensive it is to do this thing. And so, you know, coming to the end of the year, Patty's asking for all the stuff. And I'm like, wow, you know, and the fact that there are people that are covering those costs. I just want to say thank you. That That's just not coming out of my pocket. I can do this. And some of you really appreciate it and have been able to give, you know, some of you get monthly and through different ways. And so I just really appreciate that. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. Let me not fall into the hand of man. So let me read it again. Second Samuel twenty four fourteen. Then David said to Gad, the prophet, I'm in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. You know, mercy is a really interesting thing. And as I was kind of working through this passage, it, it brought me back to a story I've told before. And I thought, you know, sometimes... I think it's appropriate to repeat to repeat stories, and so this story for me is so powerful. It was a story about when I got diagnosed with cancer, just this kind of unchecked thing in my life. Um, and what happened was it, it's a, it's called polycythemia, and it's triggered by high levels of anxiety over a long period of time. And the problem is, is that I just never feel anxious. And so what happens is we go sit into the oncologist's office. And he's like, you've been anxious for a very, very, very long time. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And, um, and, and it was really confusing to me. And so I'll fast forward through the story, and it's a miraculous story. The story is essentially God heals me completely of it. Uh, within a three-week period of time, we go back, and he's just like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but you're cancer-free. And leaving that moment the mercy of God. I felt the mercy of God when, when honestly, when that was proclaimed over me that I had cancer, you know, which sounds so detrimental and and it it was in some regards, but it was also like, I have felt like something's not right. And I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't cancer. It was that I've been living at high levels of anxiety over a long period of time. And I never felt it. Like literally he said to me, your mind is so strong, but your body's falling apart and finally reacting to it. And I felt the mercy of God. And as I reflected on that situation, that feels like that's the worst thing in some ways, in some regards, that you could tell someone you have cancer. But it was the mercy of God. It's what opened me up to my weakness. It's what was awakening me to the greater things that he was inviting me into that I could never see. The joy, the freedom, the peace, you know, the presence. I I just couldn't see it. I couldn't experience it. And it was his mercy. But that mercy was difficult, right? And I think that's the problem with mercy. Mercy oftentimes isn't just butterflies and lilies. Like, it's difficult. Mercy is can be painful you know that passage in Hosea 6 1 I can't remember what episode I did that one in you could kind of look it up but it says come let's return to the Lord for he's wounded us so that he can heal us he's kind of I think it says he's broken us so he can bandage our wounds that sounds so cruel but in reality it's like merciful I want to heal you but you have to go through a breaking in order to deal with the full weight of your sin and what and actually the decisions that you made 
this passage, it's very difficult. On the onset, we read it and say, hey, that sounds, you know, pretty good. But in reality, as you dig in, as you dig into the this passage, it's actually a really difficult passage. And the context is so very important. Uh, basically, what happens is that that David's kind of last command as a as the king, he's, get, he's at the end of his life, is to take a census. And you would think, well, that's not a bad thing, except that the reason why he took the census was as a result of a deep insecurity. Have I been a good king? Did I do a good job? So I need to take a census so I can prove to myself that I'm a somebody and that I accomplished something great. And this displeased the Lord. He actually has this, his friend who's going, why is the king doing this? Like, you know, it's almost like he's like, hey, I'm your friend. I care about you. I've always been by your side. Why are you doing this? Like, you know this isn't good. This isn't in your character. David doesn't care. I want it. So he does it. And as a result of it, there's a consequence. This passage comes as David is being laid out these consequences right after it. And you know what I find interesting oftentimes as it relates to consequence is um, it seems so unjust, right? Like it feels, even as we read it, and I have to be honest, even as I read it, I'm like, man, that feels tough. But, and it feels so unjust at times. But here's the other side of that. We're always playing, praying for blessing, right? We want the blessing. Everybody wants the blessing. Everyone loves the blessing. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Like Keith Green used to have this song called Asleep in the Light. And he, he, he says in there, bless me, Lord. Bless me, no, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. You know, that's all I ever hear. No one hurts. No one aches. No one even sheds a tear. But he cries. He weeps. He bleeds. And he cares for our needs. But we keep soaking it in, right? And his thing is like this. Everybody's just asking for blessing. Just bless me, Lord. But when we get sideways, right, and, and, and we sin and we go do our own thing, we, we, get, we get all ticked off at God, right? We shake our fists to the heavens when there's a consequence for that rebellion. God, how could you do that? How could you take that away? How, how could you? right? It's so interesting to me. You know, I meet couples all the time who do like horrible things in the context of marriage. And, and, and yet they are surprised. I'm always blown away by the fact that they are surprised when the spouse wants to separate from them or leave them. It's almost like they want to say, yeah, yeah it's not that bad, like for them to leave or even want to like leave fully. Like it's not that bad. I'm like, no, it is. There's a deep consequences for your selfish action, right? You know, people cheat on their taxes and they get blown away when they get audited. Like, how can I be audited? And what do they do? They curse the government. Ah, the government. Always trying to take our money. Always trying to, right? No, you, you just don't want to deal with the consequence. You don't want to deal with what it is to, to cause a problem, right? To sin, and have to deal with the ramifications of that. We hate this part of it. We scream justice until it's come up against us. And then we're like, what are you doing, God? But David teaches us something really, really important here. And in fact, what God does in the context of this passage is he says, listen, you have sinned deeply against God. Success has become your idol. And there has to be consequence for it. 
And he said there's three things. War, famine, or plague. And he says to David, you get to choose. And I just, I found that so bizarre. Like how merciful of God that he would give David a choice. And I think God gives us choices all the time. Our free will fully being exercised in what he's inviting us into. But David's response is really, really interesting. He knows that he and his family will be sheltered from war, right? Because he's the king. He knows that their wealth will protect them from famine. But a plague? The plague would cause him to join in the punishment and also have to lean into the mercy of God. Think about that. What would you do? Honestly, what would you do in that situation? I I think about that. What would I do, Lord? What would I do, really, if faced with that decision? But David would rather be at the mercy of God than the mercy of man in war and famine. What kind of trust in the midst of absolute failure? And this is, the, this is why I believe David is a man after God's own hearts, God's own heart. He knows his sin, and he's like, I've sinned against God. And so God is the one I need to trust even when it hurts. And the other thing I really love it is that he also joined the people in the suffering that he caused. He didn't avoid it. I think so often as a humanity, as believers, we're running away from the pain that we've caused other people. And we go, hey, listen, that's your problem. And here we see David modeling something. He's like, no, there's something greater going on here. I need to lean into the mercy of God. I have failed, and I need to trust him even in my failures, not just in my successes, but in my failures. I lean into the mercy of God. And as I worked through this passage, I couldn't help but think of Jesus. Jesus didn't sin. Jesus didn't make mistakes. And yet, he took on the wrath of God for us. Now, here we have David joining, but it's because David is the one that caused the problem. By the way, in the passage, and this is real hard, 70,000 people die. But Jesus dies for the sins of the world so that all can be made right with God. And he's inviting you into that mercy. He's inviting me into that mercy because when we fail, let us fail into the faithful arms of our merciful Father. David's modeled something really beautiful for us, but it's very difficult. We do live in a world where we have choice, but with those choices come consequences. And when consequences come, let us lean into the mercy of God and not the hands of man. So the question is this, are you resisting the mercy of God and instead embracing the ways of man? Father, this passage is hard, I must confess. I don't know what to do with all this. It takes tremendous faith to understand you in the blessing, but also in the consequence. Teach us and guide us, Spirit, to understand your ways for your glory and your honor. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heartbeat. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.